When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's go! What's up, everybody? Welcome to Binge Town TV. We are back with our Shadow and Bone coverage. It's been two years, two years too long. We've got Luke, Paul, Jimmy and myself. Now, when we walk through this, I think we're going to just talk about where we left Alina, Mal, Kaz and Ash, Jesper, and now Nina joining them. And then, of course, we have Matthias, who's stuck in jail. And then we're going to walk through our new characters. So many hot new characters that have really are doing it for me this season. Before we jump into that, I'm going to ask everyone who's listening, whether it's your first time or you're a, a repeat guest on the Binge Shun TV listeners, Give us a follow. Hit subscribe. We're going to cover Shadow and Bone episodes one through four. And then our next episode will be on episodes five through eight. So uh, we're going to cover this in two episodes. We're going to try to cover all four episodes in a timely matter here. Uh, But without further ado, I'm going to let the boys talk about what they liked about the first four episodes. Luke, I'll pass it to you. No surprise here, but the crows steal the show every time yeah. the show gets talked about. It's always about the crows for me. Kaz is one of my favorite characters across all of like the Netflix shows, and he got the much-needed backstory in these first four episodes. We were even... I just listened today to our coverage that we finished now at this point almost two years ago i still vibe with everything i thought about season one like he steals the show for me inej jesper just 10 out of 10 characters i'm going to try and drop my bias and if this is your first time listening to us against mal going into this season because i was Mm -hmm. a very anti-mal guy so i'm gonna bite my tongue a little bit when we're talking about him because he did have a little bit of a better start for this season than the last but yeah this was a super fun watch a super fun binge I really enjoy these characters. The world is is growing on me more and more. Like the world building is kind of is getting there for me. And of course, like I love Kierigan as a as a villain. I have a lot of things to say there, but just leaving it at that, this has been a really good first four episodes for me. Yeah, to be honest, I totally agree with everything you said, Luke. This is the epitome of a show where to reiterate what we talked about in the first podcast, we had no idea about this show we didn't read any of the books we didn't even know the show was coming out which is pretty bad of us as podcasters for television but that was early on in our podcasting careers so brian got to give him props he will be on the pod eventually probably for the next episode but brian was the one who said you know what this trailer for shadow and bone looks really good maybe we should try it out and every single one of us were very 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 pleasantly surprised loved the show but To be honest, with this type of podcast that we've been doing, 
and how life has been going for me. I haven't rewatched a lot of shows in the last two years. I do a lot of next show, next show, next show, next show. I used to do a lot of rewatches and two years can make you forget how much you enjoy a show. And I wasn't really chomping at the bit to see the show again. I I remembered that I really liked it. But when we said it was coming, I was like, all right, I'm excited. But I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, let's go. Mm -hmm. But soon as we started watching episode one, I was like, I'm back, baby. I am (laughs) back. Like, I really, really enjoyed it. And I don't know if we're going to fully commit to this, but, you know, doing the binge with us technically um, is, I guess, what we're going to try to call it this type of episode um, for binge town where we're just going to try to binge as fast as you guys do. So instead of covering it one, two episodes at a time, we're throwing four at a time. So we're going to do it in two episodes so we can keep track with all of you guys listening. And I freaking loved binging four episodes of this show. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's been great. I do have a couple things I want to talk about as we go. I want to Say yo, yo, yo to our boy, Patrick Gibson for the Grishaverse. He is here from the OA. We love that. He's freaking the man as Nikolai. And um, from there, I'm going to take a pause and I'm going to pass it to Paul. It blows my mind that the two different crews never cross over in the actual books. Like if you're with us for the first time. We are just show watchers. None of us are familiar with the source material. So it blows my mind that these two different crews never cross because they mesh so well together. They, they did such a good job. Like they're constantly referring to each other back and forth. So just props to the show writers for making it work because um, I don't think the show would be nearly as successful if it just focused on one or the other. Uh, like Luke said, he like the crows steal the show and that's definitely true, but having both of them in there, it's great. It's great having Mal back. Uh, it definitely seems like this hmm. is off the bat yeah, Mal and Nina like redemption season. Not that they were like bad in season one, but they kind of got like, you know, put in the background or outshined by the other characters. This one, they're like coming out swinging. I love it. Emily, I was watching with her and she's like, dude, I remember not liking Nina that much. And like, you know, four episodes in, she's my favorite character right now. Yeah. She's she's a bad bitch. And I was like, she is a bad bitch. She's awesome. Um, <laughs> so she, she's great to see. And I mean, so much more. We'll get into it as we go over. But I love it. I mean, Kerrigan back with the scars permanently. Not as bad, but still scarred. I love Damn. it. Such a cool little so idea. Beautiful. I'm really excited for this uh, second half of the season. So even though we're covering this in chunks of four instead of two, like last time we did cover every two episodes last season. So there are four previous binge town episodes. If you don't have time to re-binge, like Jimmy said, maybe when you're driving or whatever, you need to listen to the recap episodes. That's probably a great way to do it. I'm going to do that for Carnival Row instead of re-watching season one. <laughs> I'm going to just <laughs> listen to us talk about it instead. <laughs> so uh, yeah, go ahead and listen to Binge Town TV um, on any streaming apps you have. We've got our last coverage just Type in Shadow and Bone, Binge on TV. It should pop right up. Paul said this, and I want to make this clear because I totally forgot the whole thing about the Grishaverse being separate books in the same universe. Paul just mentioned it there, but I want to elaborate just a little bit where the Crows, their series takes place a little bit in the future relative to Alina's storyline. So everything we're seeing here for the Crows is kind of non-canon backstory that the show decided to do because when the Crows start, Kaz is already like, Tony Soprano. He's already the big guy in uh, Ketterdam. And like we're seeing that path 
while they're also trying to mix it with Alina. So you just got to keep that in mind. And then the other part is that Nina, which we talked about on our, at the end of our coverage for season one, two, is part of the Crow storyline originally. So she was supposed to cultivate and, and grow through that storyline. And I guess it's kind of looking like she really just formally joins them. So she is mainly on their side of the story too. Just keep that in mind because that is totally why we're going to, we have these constant like lack of crossing, I guess, between our two main parties. It's because the showrunners are trying to stick to the source material, but also put their own little spin on it. So do we want to walk through the new characters first, or do we want to walk through them as we get to them within the storylines? Because you have written down. I do. Let's do it. All right. Number one. Sturmond, a.k.a. Nikolai, a.k.a. The Boy. Paul, have you seen the OA? I forget. I've watched two episodes. Um, okay. And then, you know, the news kind of broke that there wasn't going to be a future. So I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to commit, but it's so funny. Incredible. Because- <laughs> I know it, it is totally one of the only shows that's canceled like that where it's totally worth still watching. Yep. I, he it- is excellent in this. Oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah. the way he's my favorite character in the show. <laughs> of course he is. I just champion this guy so much like it, in the OA in this. He's so incredible. And I thought it was a good twist, you know, that he's actually Nikolai. But I love him as Sturman. I fucking love him as Nikolai. So 10 out of 10. We'll get it. He's not a pirate. He's a privateer. OK, yeah. don't mess it up. I'm going to be um, constantly calling him Steve on this podcast. So if I, I do, know, just, right? just yeah, right. correct me because it's Steve to me forever and ever. But he is the spice that was needed for Alina and Mal's storyline. He's got the mm-hmm. charisma. Honestly, he was even pretty good in the one scene he got with the crows. Of course, he was good in that. But yeah, he yep. he's amazing. And the other twist besides him being the prince was that he actually commissioned the crows to look for Alina all the way back in season one. So he was technically yeah. a presence there. It's just he's right. now making his appearance. And I, I love everything about it. Yeah, it's funny. I knew like from just the news that he was cast as Nikolai, but like it totally just went over my head. Like when he's first introduced and they're giving him a different name and he's a privateer. I don't know who Nikolai is. I just know the name Nikolai and I know everybody on the Grishaverse from the book side were really, really excited about the casting and excited that he was going to be in the show finally. So, I mean, again, I didn't know what was coming. The twist was really good for me. I just like that he's a homie. Like, he's not trying. I mean, we'll see, but he's not really trying to win over Alina romantically. He understands that it's Alina and Mal, Melina. And it's just, (laughs) you know, for now, I I don't have any news or I don't know anything about the future. But at the very end of episode four, there's a little, you know, holding that hand, baby. But otherwise, (laughs) I just think that they've been totally platonic and he's just been a homie. Yeah, I was like, dude, back off my, my boy's girl. All right. Like he, he's he's got she's got somebody else. So don't worry about it. But it, I was like, how many reveals is this guy going to have? Like, he's so cool. Like, first, he reveals that he's actually, you know, he's not just a bodyguard in the corner. He's like the big yeah, right. boss. And then later on, there's another reveal that, you know, oh, I'm not really just a privateer. I'm, you know, kind of like a prince, you know, kind of a big deal. A duke. So I, he's just so suave and just so nonchalant and just, just the epitome of cool and, and he's an inventor he's just yeah, he's just yeah freaking the man the i mean part. he's everything he's everything i need in a man <laughs> and uh, i mean kaz give kaz the the props he deserves for sherlock holmesing him out of that bodyguard position got him figured out right away and that was like you said paul really cool reveal you know i think there's like a history of second sons being like whiny 
babies who are always acting up. Not that like, you know, what's his name from House of the Dragon? Damon is a is a whiny baby, but he acts up, you know, he acts out. Uh, he wants to be the king, but he can't because he's not the firstborn, whatever. I feel like Nikolai is the best. He's doing like, mm-hmm. he's like, all right, cool. I'm not the first son, whatever. I'm going to go do amazing stuff. I'm going to be like really inclusive, include all the Grisha. I don't care. No, everyone's cool. We're good. I'm like, this guy, this guy is is a good dude. And I hope he stays pure good all through season two. I hope there's not a turn, but I guess we'll see. No way. Not a chance. Yeah, and I don't even necessarily. I know we get into like the loyalty thing, and we'll get into that with the Nina stuff, Luke. Because I know that if she actually would have turned and then came back to the group, you would have been done with her for good, no matter what. If she actually mm-hmm. handed Kaz in, but it was actually part of the plan, which made it great. But I don't think necessarily like he's not going to be good if he like falls in love with Alina and actually wants Alina. He could still be the good guy. It's just that he's against Mal for that in that triangle. Or square, if you want to count Kierigan, but <laughs> so far everything's above board. I wouldn't say he's overstepping. I wouldn't say no, he's no, I too agree. hard. I'm like, I'm okay with all this. And I'm I'm okay with the love triangle if it's done right. So we'll see. Yep. All right. Next up, the twins, uh, Tolia and Tamar, who are amazing too, obsessed with them. I wasn't sure in episode one whether they were gonna be good or bad, but they're so cool. They I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. They were originally Shuhan, but they're say they're not anymore. They're independent. Um, mm-hmm. So they're really in Sturman's right. crew, a.k.a. Nikolai. But um, I'm like full in on them. What do you guys think? You just nailed it. Like I was so questioning what I was going to think about them in the first episode. I thought they were just going to be the bad guys of the season or at least part of like the hired muscle that was hunting for Alina. But it yeah. turned out the exact opposite. And they're just awesome. And they're working with our our favorite pirate like all of that's good and privateer worried privateer yeah uh <laughs> the i am worried though because i feel like they are the type of characters Expendable. that will die yes yes yeah, at least one geez. of them i totally agree when you first in- get introduced to them i was like they're just part of the bounty they want alina they're not going to mm-hmm. be on our side so when she meets them with mal I was like, oh, this is just this is just part of the plan where she's going to meet another group of bad guys, for lack of better word. And then it ends up being that it introduced us to Nikolai and they're awesome. But when I first saw them and even all the way up to the to the boat where they're asking for a passage, I was like, nope, they're bad. Yeah, I mean, and I love the sword and the weapons freaking and their and their abilities. Let's go. Same exact vibes. I was like, you know, all right, so we're getting Mal's. You know, next obstacle, he's going to have to beat these guys up to save Alina. And it's like, no, they're mm-hmm. boys. And I loved going back to Nikolai, how he was like, I'm the second son. I'm a prince technically, but I can't do shit as a second son. But I can do shit as an independent privateer, getting into different avenues and, you know, figuring out what's actually going on in the world. That was like a really cool line. So another point for our boy. I mean, he just seems like he's going to be one of our favorites the entire show. But uh, yeah, the twins, they're cool shit. I'm ready to ready to see some more of them. And just one last thought on uh, Tamar's like. What are those called? The two the two weapons that she holds like the like Margo's yeah, like weapons. Axes. Yeah. 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 The axes. OK, that's the word I was thinking yeah. of axes like Margo's axes that she gets from the sand. Yeah. And the Margo from what? Before. The magician oh, yeah, we cover season five Binge on TV. Anyway, so well, we did cover what we don't currently cover. <laughs> The third and we'll final, I guess, fourth it. and final is Wyland, the demolitions man. 
who is yeah. also an ex boo from Jesper, which I called immediately from like the first look between them. And he was like, you don't remember me? I'm like, damn, Jesper, you dog, you banged him and you don't remember. <laughs> <bro>. <laughs> so this character I really liked, but what I really, really liked about this introduction was that it explains how Kaz got away from Kirigan in season mm-hmm. one. We see that motion in the, in the slow-mo and we're like, what the hell is happening here? Then he throws that bomb and like, we're like, dude, is Kaz magic? Like no idea what's happening. But then it's the first thing they say. And uh, it's just really rewarding to have that in the back of your mind. And then like having the immediate payoff in the beginning of season two, I was like, dude, so nice. A few other immediate payoffs that we'll get to. Um, one of them being Jesper as well, you know, speaking of this character, but he's so cool, so smart. And I would actually like to bring this up now. Like if I do have a negative, I still think that they're not doing great, in my opinion, of explaining everything that's going on with the powers and just the world building in general. Like I like how they are setting up the showing the maps and and things like that. But I still like unless you're a heart render or um, I don't even remember the one that deals with the metal. Like, I don't really know exactly the different kinds of people, the different kinds of powers they have, how a hundred percent, how it works. Sometimes they're saying the names and I'm like, I haven't watched this in two years. I really don't exactly remember. Like, I don't think they're reminding you well enough. Um, it could just be that I needed a refresher and they did do fine in season one. But what do you guys think on that? I mean, just to go off that we saw a tide caller, I think in episode two for the first time, we only heard the phrase tide caller and like we're watching him touch the water and he's like spitting this knowledge. And I'm like, what the hell can or yeah, can he's he like, do? what's in the water? I'm, yeah, 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 I'm like so confused. So I agree. Uh, it's kind of the charm to it because like you're finding out more as you go. But at the same time, it's like, how do you supposed to expect what can and can't happen if you don't know the rules of the world? And my worry is that we're a season and a half into the show. So how many seasons do you need to give me before I fully understand? We don't know how Netflix works here. I mean, this show could be eight seasons. It could be five. It could be freaking two. We have no idea. And I don't think it's a problem. I just think that I'm I'm thinking a lot in my head, even when it comes to um, even like the shark tooth stuff, like the amplifiers. And I'm trying to like remember fully how that works. And I know like the three main ones and you know the stag and and all that kind of stuff but i was like kind of forgetting about you can use other things the bones i remember the bones from season one and i don't know it just seemed like it was a little bit like um we're not clear enough for how far we are into the show i would say it's maybe a little bit of that and i i as someone who had just rewatched season one like two weeks ago i would say it's probably just you need a refresher of season one um mm-hmm. heart renders fabricators they're the common ones that we see and yeah, that we have yeah. in our squad and stuff like that but yeah i mean it's kind of like i don't know i don't want to compare it to harry potter but whatever magicians with all the different you know specialties you can have you don't know all of them you really just you really know the ones that are in your crew and then other ones come and go, you know, but I don't see an issue with it, but I could see how, why you were like, I don't know what the heck is going on. I, the shark tooth thing in the ear confused me too, but I just said, okay, that works as an amplifier. Take it at, take it at their word. I'm like, cool. Sounds yeah. good. <laughs> I'm, I had all the same questions. So I'm happy that you just laid it out there. I don't really need to add anything except another concept. That's a little 
sketchy for me is the small science versus like the actual magic. And I know I remember like, Paul, that was one of your things that you love to talk about last season. And I still am a little shaky on that because I think anything to do with like, I think there's like hand touching versus not as like different yeah. levels of magic. Don't move and your I, hands that's, if you're the heart render and like all, you know, yeah. that's yeah. yeah. So like, I kind of forget all that. I remember they went kind of over it with Kiergan. He was supposed to touch his hands before he used his powers. And then they were a little bit inconsistent with it as like the finale went on. So I wonder if they are going to be paying a little bit more attention to it, you know, this time around. But, you know, it's so hard to find. I don't even know the difference now anymore between small. And I don't. And, and <laughs> right. And I don't know when it comes to the books, how much they explain you know, we're talking about the magicians a lot, and that's just because they're using spells, and it's kind of similar in a certain way where they're like they're tutting, they're using their their fingers to do stuff. And you see Alina using her hands to whenever she does her one of her kamehamehas or you know whatever <laughs> she's doing here. And you know, we know that it's there. You go, Luke got his got his what is that a super shirt? Mm -hmm. I mean, I see blue Vegeta. So, um, and you know, we have certain situations like Mama Darkling Bagger. She can't. She has her hands locked up. She has to break her own hands to be able to get out of the thing, to be the, the shackles, to be able to use her hands to get out of the cell. You know, that, that the heart renders. Yeah, it was awesome. The heart renders, you know, they say to Nina, if you move your hand, we'll kill you. You know, you know, they have to move their hands and stuff. But I just don't understand. Like, and I don't even know if I need to understand, but like, I don't know what they're doing with their hands when they're doing it. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, yeah. I know that when it comes to Town, we do like the small details. So that was one of those things where I'm still freaking enjoying the show like hell. But uh, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't know what they're doing here with these hand things. Yeah. And the issue with this is that. It's hard to Google because there are already books in existence that tell you the ending of this story. Oh, yeah. So it's hard oh, yeah. to Google this stuff, Jimmy, like without yep. being spoiled. So I completely agree that you kind of have to rely on what they're telling you because anything you Google, the wiki could just be like, this is and when also, they die. I, yeah. and you're like, fuck. <laughs> and here, I don't I don't want to act like I'm trash in this show right now, because to be honest, this is one of the only shows in at least a long time. You know, Alice in Borderlands won, but it, it means a lot more when it's fantasy. But it's one of the first shows in a long time where I don't have any prior knowledge from the books. And there are a lot of shows where it's interesting because people do ask, like, how'd you do watching Game of Thrones or how'd you do watching the Harry Potter movies or whatever? If you never read the books, if you don't know the answers to a lot of your questions first or having the books to give you that extra content to help you understand what's going on in the background. And, you know, that, so I don't want to make it seem like guys, if you're listening and you're fans of the books, let us know, let us know how much they explain in the books. We'd love to hear it. And if you guys are okay with it, I'm sure it's fine. There is a fine line between like how much you want to explain to the casual viewer and, and how much you don't want to over explain to your main fans that are the, the book readers that already know the, the, the answers. So I don't know, but we can continue there. Before we jump in, Paul, that just reminded me of the first few episodes of Vampire Academy. They had the like corniest opening scene and they were like, fire. It kind of sounded like an Ooh. avatar thing where they explained the like powers and stuff. And I'm like, honestly, it was corny, but like it probably did hammer it in your brain. All the different types of powers you can have and stuff like that. But I don't need that for Shadow and Boom. But it is funny that Vampire Academy did that. I 100 yeah. percent 
thought of vampire academies with the different powers and and yeah. like factions while i was you're watching this and if i'm honest i was mixing them together a little bit because it was so long and i was like yeah. wait what, what was the ritual again oh wait that was completely different world but R.I.P. I vampire academy R.I.P. <laughs> yeah that is an okay. R.I.P. and then and no offense to vampire academy but the source material for grisha is way more popular yeah. than the source material for Vampire yeah. Academy. So you probably needed it for Vampire Academy. So Keegan, again, just to go back to the small science, where we left off with everybody, I was wondering, like watching the trailer and all this stuff with the shadow monsters, you know, like what are these shadow monsters? And and like, can they be, be they honestly remind me of Horcruxes, right? Of of him, uh, sort of. But so Kirgan used the Merzost or the small science to create something within and from the fold. And they called like N- Nishiova, Nishvoya or something like that, which means nothing. So they're basically nothing. But in episode four, they did find that two come in contact with someone they have to become like physical something physical so solid they yeah. said that's the weakness or whatever but so that's ki- what kirgan's doing right and he's like sneaking into alina's dreams and stuff and that's i want to dig into that with you guys because that's so interesting i know they're connected but this is it's a little weird to me and then alina and mal are like trying to hop a boat they think everything's cool, but Alina's having these dreams and she realizes that Kierigan's not dead, etc. Um, so they realize they need to go for the other two amplifiers need in order to do something for the fold. She already has the stag. We see her get the sea whip. And then, of course, the firebird is the elusive, you know, amplifier that we haven't seen yet in the first four episodes. But that's where Alina and Mal are at. And then, of course, we have the crows who are doing their own thing. Kaz is on a revenge tour against Pekka Rollins. At the finale, we were even saying, you know, season two, we know Peck is going to be more of a big obstacle, you know, a big bad guy that we're going to mm-hmm. have to deal with. And yeah, I mean, nailed it. We fucking nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> I have a couple of things written down that we nailed that I'll bring up hopefully when we get to it. Um, but yeah, so Kathleen, you already mentioned we're going to be basically doing this like a little bit bucketed. Um, it kind of cleanly worked out that we these first four episodes felt like a part one where it just ends mm-hmm. with the whole Pekka Rollins story finishing. So that works out with the the Crows. Hopefully they get back together with Alina in the back half of this season. We got all of Kaz's backstory, all that. It's so segregated that it's going to be easy to just kind of go through all four episodes worth of their plots by Alina stuff, the Ketterdam stuff, and then Kiergan kind of has many buckets in each episode. We could do that by himself too until he finally like meets up with Alina in the end. We can really just kind of just generally talk about, I think the place that they start off at is called oh, Novi Zem, maybe? Yeah, that sounds know. right. Novi Zem. Like its own little country. Yeah, a lot of things yeah. go down here. You already kind of mentioned we met the twins. Uh, we're seeing the Alina connection with Kirigan every time she sleeps, and that has to do with the stag, I think, and we can talk about yeah. that more too. Mm-hmm. But we're really just kind of quick world building until we get to the point where we're with uh, Captain Steve, Prince Steve. Um, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Prince Stevie. But I, I mean, I do want to say before we get to Prince Stevie, uh, Nikolai, just make sure we reiterate that. <laughs> but I do want to say that finally Mal gets a nice W because we were joking in season one. He just constantly was getting his ass whooped. You know, mm-hmm. he was trying to fight and he's not a Grisha and he and he doesn't really have, you know, any like specific powers or anything like that. So he's just a guy, which he's a good guy, but he's just a guy. And he's get, he was getting his ass kicked a lot. He was valiantly getting his ass kicked a lot. And this season, to start, 
he beat the shit out of like eight dudes at one point when mm-hmm. the army's going after him. He did get backed into a corner and got saved by the people, which was really, really cool. And I like that part of the world building where they were basically like, you know, we don't see it that way when it comes to the type of Grisha you are. We just accept everybody. And, you know, they see Alina as a saint. So they they saved both Alina and Mal. But I like that he was whooping some ass and he was like really badass as a fighter. And, you know, we saw we saw some of that in season one, but he was not winning a lot of his fights. This time he was kicking some some nice ass. Yeah. Yeah. You know, season one, we saw him got introduced to him with a shirt off, you know, in a fist fight in in like the army camps or whatever. And we were like, hello. Um, but then <laughs> at the end of every fight, he was just like on the ground bleeding. And that's what yeah. you're saying. Like, what the heck is going on with him? I think that they recognize that, um, you know, on the rewatch of season one. And they were like, you know what? Let's just let's just reiterate how strong Mal is and give him a fight. Season one right off the bat, you know, showed off how physically strong he is. Like you said, it was like one versus six you know, soldiers that knew how to fight. So he's just an animal. And then to your second point, he's not a Grisha that we know of yet. Yeah, know of, right, because of the whole because... tracking thing. And he hears the and that, again, it could be like this huge reveal. But I want to add that for now to the stuff that's confusing, because, yes, again, because the they kind of just right? like, hey, yo, right? I can hear this guy. He's over there like, for now. <laughs> the... I'm like, OK, bro, if you the, give me well... a reason, I'm OK with it. But for now, it's whatever. That's a thing that you might benefit from the rewatch because we were talking about season one when Alina got tested. You know, they were trying to ditch out when the tester was coming around to their village. And right, then when she right. got tested, she was like cutting herself to bring the pain away to not really show. Yeah. But we talked about how Mal never got tested. So yeah, he never exactly. even knows. Yeah. And we were like, you know, he could be or could not. But then all of a sudden he's like, oh, yeah, I can can feel this connection and frequency with these ancient like magical beasts i'm like mm-hmm. okay our boy yeah Mal's i mean he's like yo right he's right yeah, there you, i see him he's Jimmy, in that you cave. you nailed it actually on the end of in the finale coverage saying that mal probably has an ability i don't know if you remember saying yeah. it but you were saying yeah yeah, mal yeah. probably has mm-hmm. this crazy and i'm not even going to say that he's a grisha like he might not be it could be its own yeah. separate thing because it seems related yeah. to the mythical the three mythical beasts or whatever we want to call them that they're that they're yeah. searching for but he needs something man and i'm actually yeah, thinking that what he's gonna get is the sword is gonna be all him the special That'll sword that helps sweet. him fight kirigan so yeah. i think that could be his whole role is like alina's obviously plus one but like he'll be like her bodyguard which would be something for he's him he's a warder man yeah exactly Mal is yeah. the fourth amplifier they need to kill in order for her to take down the yeah, well, that, that's that's the has some harry potter <laughs> horcrux stuff you know jimmy I thought stab, for sure stab. the W you were talking about was the kiss. <laughs> well, I was like, the okay, kiss, well, let's get to that. Kiss. Let's get to that. Well, yes, that is definitely a W. But I also want to ask this question again. Two years, guys, two years. And I should have did a little refresher. But as far as I can remember, they were BFF and they were like maybe teasing some shit. But like this season started off pretty like in your face. Like Alina's like, let go, dude. I am in. Let's like make out right now. I texted you guys kind of surprised at how like forward she was. And he was like, I really knew. I knew like the end of this game is still them romantically, but I wasn't expecting it to go from like BFF to like right away. Let's do this thing. <laughs> they did have a moment at the end of last season. when We talked about it. I remember glossing over it because I always was like, 
you don't hyperbolic about how much I don't like Mal. Right. So I remember saying like, okay, they got their moment. There you go. Kathleen blow us. So I think they did turn it on a little bit enough to, this is believable. And, but they do hook up every episode. It's kind of crazy how much like actual screen time, like them actually hooking up already. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do remember that there was a moment and I remember talking about it, but I just like, for some reason thought it and, and you're right, Paul, they went on a whole voyage. We don't know what the, the amount of time between the voyage was. We know that they didn't mm-hmm. actually like do the deed on the voyage because, you know, the real W's were happening when they got off the ship and they finally kissed and stuff. But I just thought it was like pretty quick to it. I thought they would have gave us a little bit more like waiting and, and anticipation and tension, you know, but whatever. You like the chase. Well, I get yeah, it. I, I like get the it. chase. Um, I thought season one was the chase, you know, and I mean, yeah. no, if, yeah, Kathleen, Kelly, Mal, he took some ass whoopings. He chased. Yeah. He, definitely he chased, chased for sure. She was too busy kissing Kierigan to know he was chasing, yeah. but he was chasing. Yeah, it's true. But That's very no, true. there there was many, many moments in season one that were like near misses, like more than you would think, even if okay, they were like okay. slight. And obviously Mal is just like deeply, deeply in love with her. And, oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. From the jump. You can tell that she loves him, but he seems like the one that's maybe friend zoning her a little bit. But they've been like holding hands in the in the garden or the meadows from from childhood. Yeah, so. I just always took it like you're just too friend zone, bro. Like, you know, that no. kind of thing. So I agree that I was surprised it happened up front. And I was like, oh, this means they're getting split up immediately. Like yeah, all hell's about yeah. to break loose. And I th- I could have sworn Mal was going to get taken in that scene that this big chase scene in episode one, which was awesome, by the way, so mm-hmm, badass, mm-hmm. like hopping in between all of those like houses and stuff like really cool. A lot of cool slow-mo fighting in this in this season, which I, I like how they shot it. Um, But yeah, I, I'm surprised that four episodes in, I guess Nikolai is the wedge. It's yeah. not going to be like, I mean, they did clean Mal, yeah. Mal is MIA as of right now right. where we left and, it off. And so. his captor who gave him up is dead. To tell them. Ripped to shreds. Yeah. Yeah. Which was mm-hmm. deserving. I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Fuck that guy. So let's move along. If you guys don't have anything else from that country, um, because now we're like leaving. I forget what it's called again already. We're leaving Navio Zem, Navi Zem, whatever it's called. And now we're actually hunting down the sea whip because the whole yeah. second episode for Alina is identifying where the sea whip is hunting it down and actually getting it uh so that's pretty much what their whole storyline is here and i'm gonna say right off the bat i was very surprised at how easy and clean this was and i Mm -hmm. thought it happened super quick yeah yeah i took it like the three were end game meaning the stag the sea whip and the firebird with those three seemingly going to be figured out within this season obviously the sea whip was just like cut and dry like done done you know we're gonna have mal's storyline with the twins going for the to this for the sword slash the firebird and i'm guessing that's gonna go towards the end of the season but there has to be more than just those three there has to be something bigger than those three amplifiers if there's gonna be Mm -hmm. more seasons so yeah to your point luke i was surprised i was also surprised that alina made it such a big deal that you have to be friendly with the with the amplifier and that thing was not having it. Gyarados was like, no, bro, I'm going to rip your head off. (laughs) Well, there's a chance that the reason it's reacting so poorly is because of that. Like why she's not able to like corral in the new power. It could be because of how she, they killed because she had to kill it instead of actually making it like acceptingly. Right. Become that could be, that could be purposeful. Okay. cool. I like that. I didn't think of that, but that 
does make sense. I was getting more of that. The C whip is being <laughs> like a like a just dick. Like he's way more dangerous. Like Charizard. Yeah. Like you don't have enough badges to, to train me. Yeah. Yeah. Like get out of my face. Uh, real quick, I do think that what the season's doing way better than season one is they're showing us maps like way more. Yeah. Oh, I, know yeah. That, I, I like. That. I know they Love did it a decent amount in season one, like pretty quickly, but you know the little transitions that they're doing you know showing the actual journey and the different uh towns it really does help um and then it's not shoving it in our face either you know i i really do like the the animations that they're showing and with the fold especially too that moving is just so cool the maps are freaking amazing i thought i thought the same thing but kathleen question for you because i don't remember um did season one have those weird not weird, but the opening. Not opening just... scenes. No, okay, they did not. Because no. they definitely made me go like, oh, okay. Like You mean yeah. the Shadow and Bone title card? Yeah, like no intro. I don't remember that at yeah. all. Because yeah. they're cool. Like it just looks cool. They're cool, cool. yeah. Just, I mean, it's like yeah. it's like doing instead of a theme song, it's just a quick, like, cool yeah. animation, <laughs> showing the logo, and then we're done. Mm-hmm. Fine yeah. with yeah. me. Yeah. But anyway, but, um, Seawit was cool looking, though. I will say that. Yeah, he he or she was cool looking. The what? Seawit. <laughs> Seawit. Oh, oh, Seawit. Okay. We're still talking like boat stuff. Anything on the boat mm-hmm. with Sturman slash Nikolai. Do we want to just call him Nikolai moving forward since we're doing one through yeah, four? Let's just keep it Nikolai. Yeah. Okay. Couple things. One, them playing cards was like one of my favorite things ever. Like it just it just solidified like these people are homies. They're mm-hmm. Grisha and and I loved hearing about the twins' power and stuff like that. I was like, they're welcoming her in, and that's nice. And especially because Alina is shoe, and they were or at least expat shoe. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like, she's finally finding people that are immediately like, okay, let's be friends instead of being like, what the fuck? I'm turning you in for twenty million dollars or whatever. Yeah. And also in this scene, I just have to do this one line. It's uh. Nikolai is like adventure, danger, money. Now you're speaking my language. I was like, this yeah. fucking guy. He's so <laughs> cool. Yeah, he's know. the he's, man. All of his so gadgets cool. that he shows before mm-hmm. when he says to Mal, like, take your pick. And you know, like he basically says they're all inventions. They're all new to the world. <laughs> when he's messing with Mal, it's kind of funny too when he's introducing him all. Friend. <laughs> And yeah. then later he says something useful and he goes, what's your name again, man? And he, like, yeah. screen. I mean, I love the conversation of Nikolai telling her she's the hope for the future. He's saying, I'm going to butcher this, but he's basically being like, I'm the one convincing you of that. Like you have to believe in yeah, yourself and right. in that, that you are the hope for the future. Like you are obviously not believing in. And he's like, I believe it, which is cool and hot of him, to be honest. Um, but <laughs> let's talk about. Kirigan slipping into her dreams because it keeps happening. It happened in one, it happened in two. Um, how do you guys feel about this? About ha- them having like full conversations in the dreams and him being able to kind of be there even though he's not there in episode four that happens? In the beginning, I was super confused. I was like, what is this? It looks like fucking Ray and Kylo Ren from Star Wars. How they have this weird like connection and able to talk. But then I kind of remembered and we were reminded that david kind of Mm -hmm. created a bridge between them is what he was saying when he was you know fusing the amplifier within um kerrigan's hand and and i believe that's what was happening and so on i think it was that connection that is now you know lingering how he's able to physically be there and 
extinguish the flame yes, from her candle. That's the only issue. I have no idea, but maybe the connection's that strong and they're just that powerful. But I don't I don't understand how how that's a thing. Because can he like punch her in the face and she'll like <laughs> get slapped from like I don't know. Well, I think that's where we're headed. Like the point of the candle scene was to show that the, the connection is getting way stronger to the point where he's he's literally manifesting in her head. And I'm sure she can do it vice versa. And that could be a, a way they actually I, him and stuff later. I fucking love the line where it, it's at towards the end of episode four. But like he comes walking in and Alina goes, can you see him? And they're like, yeah, yeah we see yeah. him. And I'm like, yeah. dude, that's exactly what I was thinking. So I'm glad that Alina Seriously, actually verbalized it. I hope that and I hate that I keep bringing up wheel of time stuff and Luke um, will take a time stamp right here. If I need to cut this for spoiler reasons, I don't really think I'm going to keep it very vague, but I just keep thinking of like, you know, the dream world in wheel of time, where if you get scratched in the dream world, it, it shows up in the real world. I'm wondering if they're going to go there in this show where, like you said, can Kerrigan hurt her while they're sleeping? Can she hurt him back? Mm-hmm. Because I'm hoping that's going to be the answer. Otherwise, I think it honestly might be just like some cinematic thing they decided to do to make it like more suspenseful that he could just extinguish the candle and just to make us go, oh, shit. But it might not pan out, which I'd rather there be an answer to that, because I think that it's really cool that there's the connection and then the dream state, they can talk to each other. But if Mm -hmm. they don't go further about the physicality of it, then I think that it was just like a choice they made to make us go, oh, shit. And and I wouldn't like that again because we, we talked yeah. about this. We love our rules over stuff. here. Yeah. Yeah. That would be insane if they actually could like fight each other from different parts of the world and we're like, look like a crackhead fist fighting with an invisible person. Like I would different love. Parts yeah. of the world. <laughs> well, dude, well, we do know whatever was going on again, it, it seemed like it was her using her powers or her powers lighting up. So it wasn't necessarily him doing something to her, but in episode four, when he's talking to her and he has his hands around her, her cheek and neck, you know, she's lighting up and the guy running in was like, Oh, what's going on? What's going on? But I mean, there would be really, really cool scene. If like he gets surprised because like Alina grabs onto his wrist or something and burns his wrist. And then he wakes up and goes, Oh shit. Like it's burnt. Like when she burns, mm-hmm. burn the map when she gets pissed off or whatever, like that would be really cool. And I'd love to see that happen. But I guess for now, we don't really have any answers. But um, I'm glad that we did talk about the candle thing, because that was a question that I definitely had. Have you guys all seen Sense8? All of it? Not no, all of it. I haven't. I have. <laughs> OK, well, there's um, statute like... of limitations is probably up for that. So if you need to. Yeah, I bring something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will. I, I can't really elaborate on it too much because it just won't even make sense. But like, there's this this vibe that I'm getting that I think this could be building up to if, if they're playing tricks on each other and they go like, "Oh, like I'm making you think I'm not actually here, but I am actually here." Yeah, I mean, versus you know what I'm saying. It and could be any any of those. It, I'm glad that it, it does give us answers in a way like when he was in the hallway and he like looked and went into the other room. I was like, OK, is this one of those weird like follow me into the room so we can have a conversation thing? And then obviously he shows up and, and then they're just face to face and then he disappears and then he's right behind her. And I'm like, so we're adding these powers to him. Like, I thought this was actually him doing this. And then, you know, again, we find out that it's in her head and it's not real. So I'm glad that we do get these answers and we kind of are figuring out you know these are this is what he can do this is his limitations for now and this is what his limitations are for now in the dream world 
let's keep going with the storyline because we're kind of like jumping back and forth about how we actually got to the palace for this interaction to happen. We're pretty much done with the C-Whip stuff, I'm assuming. If anyone has anything else, bring it up. But I want to bring up the fucking cool-ass flying ship that right. Nikolai yeah. just whips out of nowhere. And then the I think the Squallers are the wind benders. They just like take control and they fly right through the fold. Like That is just a time saver and a half in this day and age where they're just <laughs> right. flying across the country that would normally take like hours or days whatever and they do it in like five minutes they cross the fold all that stuff was sweet and it really kind of just re-emphasized how cool nikolai's inventions and how far they actually go so like he could i don't know he could have like a world building moment where he's like his inventions start changing the world subtly which would be really cool mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is when alina's using the scales from the sea whip to see what she could do about the fold and it fails which is interesting. I knew what, I mean, what was that, episode two? Like, the, or three, there's yeah. no way that it was going to work, right? And no Kerrigan way. was pretty chill about all of it. Like, when she was getting stronger, he's like, mm, I like that, she's getting stronger. <laughs> so, you know, he wasn't worried about it. Yeah, the fact that, like, Nikolai wasn't so pissed that it crashed the boat, too. I'm like, this guy rocks, man. He's a good yeah. dude. And then this is the reveal that he's actually, you know, royalty, and then Alina whacks someone. Because, again, yeah. she, she, her and Mauer are the only ones who probably didn't know that he was actually a prince. Um, but this is when they end up at the spinning wheel, which is like um, a Grisha sanctuary where they can go and be safe. That is Nikolai's place. So, again, mm -hmm. he's mm -hmm. the goat. Like, he's literally is a sanctuary for Grisha when his family is, like, pretty anti-Grisha. So He has that Daenerys moment, too, where he has, like, 35 titles that they just list out, like, the second yeah, son, yeah, like, the yeah. major thing. I was like, this is sweet, man. He's like, I got this. Whips off the freaking suit. It was just such a cool moment. I didn't see it coming at all. I mean, I the agree. biggest thing here is the alliance, right? The marriage alliance that uh, Nikolai suggests or recommends to Alina so that they can work together. She'll be the leader of the second army, which is sick. I mean, obviously, we see that they... They don't actually get married. They just had the ceremony and it got absolutely destroyed by shadow people. Well, yeah, um, that was supposed to be the engagement party. Like oh, that okay, was the okay, whole okay. that was the whole thing. He pretty much was like, hey, we don't actually have to go through with this. An engagement at least shows that we're committed for now. That was part of his like proposal when he was saying mm -hmm. like the whole like, all right, I understand you and Mal, you know, want to be together and love each other. But at least a proposal will be able to do what we needed to do. And yeah, that was supposed to be like the small gathering of an engagement party that the brother, like an asshole, told everybody and every random person. That's how the Darkling found them. He majorly got an L there. But Kathleen, does this kind of like this whole proposal thing remind you of the conversations we were having during House of the Dragon where there was always proposals being thrown left and right, like very, very smart proposals that would get shot down because of the plot where this does yeah. the opposite and they actually were like okay fuck yeah king of sarah's just marry the freaking sea snakes the youngest baby. whatever <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah all that it's like it kind of <laughs> makes sense but they never go with it for the plot and here we actually went and because of love smooth. dude and because of love yeah yeah they're like rhaenyra just marry aegon and he's like two years old sucking his own toes you're like no dude get, get <laughs> yeah. out of here yeah I want to bring up that also we get reintroduced to a controversial character here, especially after we listen yeah. to the end of our season one coverage of Zoya, the Inferni. Is that what they're called? Uh, no, she, she was a squaller. Oh, she was a squaller. She was, a she was yeah, the yeah. one that was doing the yeah, going through the fold, fold using the yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we were pretty split. I don't know if you guys really remember this, but I was very on team 
I don't think Zoya did nearly enough to redeem herself for how awful she was in season one. And then mm-hmm. I think someone else, it might have been, it might have been Jimmy or Kathleen that was like okay with it. The turnaround, and of course, we're already on a path where they're BFFs, like, oh my god, what's up, girlfriend? When they walk in and yeah. all that stuff. So I don't know. I guess they're not gonna do any more of the redemption stuff. So I'll just mark that as like an unsatisfied character progression for her, but accepting that i feel like she is going to be a pretty powerful ally because she's like one of the trained up kirigan style like yeah actual grisha so she's going to be very useful i'm just going to drop my whatever she doesn't have to do more i guess but we're not going to get it i guess well we still could we i think we still could she's still being sassy in this like she's still like kind of unthrilled to be there she's like yeah i don't want to be with kirigan but it doesn't feel like she wants to be with them either. She w- yeah, wish I mean, she found yeah. her family. She'd rather be elsewhere, you know? You just said, Kathleen, she did lose her family. And I think that just kind of like knocked her down a peg. And she, I don't know if she's like being more humble because of it. And the world's not what she was. But she yeah. did like basically come up. And Alina was like, is this an apology? I don't really, I don't really know what's going on here. But to Luke's point, I do think she is going to be like a really powerful ally because like we already saw that she does have like a bone in her body. She does have like an amplifier on her wrist. So mm-hmm. she is considered, in at least in my eyes, a more powerful Grisha. Probably one of the stronger squalors. I, I mean, we don't really know too many, but I assume if she has an amplifier, she, she's got to be a beast. Yeah. Okay, and pause real quick. So I guess that is just what the answer is, is that the the series is called Shadow and Bone. So I guess all bones are amplifiers. There's just a next level mystical beast amplifier. And that's something I don't think I really knew too much about going into this season. Right. Remember, I guess. So is that where we're at? Like anything like the shark amplifies the twin. This bone is yeah. amplifying Zoya. It's just anything can shadow and bone. I guess they really needed to lean into that if, to to be worth calling it that the name I of the think, series. So I think it has to the creature has to be at least somewhat magical. Um, just because the the what Kerrigan did to his mom, like I don't think you could just chop off anybody's finger and use it. I think it has to be like a powerful person being to okay. be then used as an amplifier. I think going back to Zoya, if I'm remembering correctly, I just remember saying like. She was pretty shitty, and it was always Alina that was like giving her like the, all right, it's all good. When I, you know, yeah. she's being too nice. She was trying and to bang they greet each other like old friends, and I was kind of like, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, that's kind of yeah. how I felt. So I'm pretty sure I'm on your side with that one, Luke. Join me in leaving our season one biases in the past. We're new, yeah, new yeah. people Let's now. <laughs> we look forward, eyes forward, babies. Okay, yeah. so now we are at the palace. We're not still at. No, no, we're pretty much. It, no, like, we're the, there. So yeah. we talked through all the proposal and stuff. We're basically in episode four of Alina stuff. The, the well, kind right. of end so, things. But where are we physically? Like, where yeah, is the, all the training and the ceremony and all that? Is that still in, in the? Ravka's it's in palace. Ravka. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. The palace. So Tamara and Nadia are training. And first, I'll say it here first. Tamara and Nadia, vibes. Vibes. Oh, some, some vibes. Vibes. Okay. 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 Put I it see on the that. board. You know me. <laughs> Two women next to each other. I'm going to guess that they're going to kiss each other. But there was so one they... look and I was like, ah, there it is. Got it. All right. I, I like that. <laughs> so those are the those are two of the ones that were with her at the end before when Kirigan attacks, right? It was those two and then the guy who I'm I forget his, his name, name. Yeah. Who got attacked. Yeah. So yeah. it was those three, right? Who wasn't the brother? It might have been Nadia's brother. It was Nadia's brother. Oh, that's Nadia's brother. Yeah, okay, that's okay. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So okay. at this point, that's this is when David shows up. So we haven't talked about like Jenya and David's arc yet, but we'll get right, there. Right. David shows up after escaping Kierigan and they don't know whether or not to trust him or not. But he actually obviously comes with all this information. Right. And but the main thing is he confirms what we already know as the audience that there is a bond between her and the Darkling. And I mean, that's what it's all coming to, right? Like the end of the series season is at least going to be like their their bond is going to keep building, and she's got to figure out a way to break that. But yeah, I thought I, you were going to say they're going to end up together. Their bond is going to keep growing. Here's my question: So we have David show up, yeah, and he says we got some monsters, got some bad shit going on, and Nikolai and and Mal and everyone's like, do you trust them? And Alina says, I don't know. Then they go into the next room. Alina comes in and he says, yeah, you got a bond. There's some shit I need to tell you, blah, blah, blah. And then the twin, I apologize for getting her name, is the heart runner. And she goes, trust him. He is his pulse didn't change. His heart rate didn't change. Why didn't they mm-hmm. use that from the very beginning in the first part of what he said? That's what I was the saying. entire story. Yeah. Have the heart render there and just. Yeah. Tell her that from the very beginning for the whole part of the story, especially because not to jump storylines, but when, you know, Nina and Kaz are talking, Nina even says, oh, man, as soon as you said his name, your blood pressure run up. So, like yeah. you yeah. know, that heart renders just have this, you know, passive ability to to be able to read people. So uh, I totally agree. Maybe a heart render wasn't there. Uh, you should yeah. always have one next to the king if you're interrogating somebody. Right. Yeah. So something that they can explore and they hope they do at least super subtly is I'm going to steal from Avatar The Last Airbender a little spoiler alert for the final season. If you guys aren't really aware, then skip a little bit. But they also have the ability to earthbenders can hear heart rates, too, because they can feel you through the earth and stuff. And it's the same idea, right? Heart renders are just listening for that. The, yeah. Like the, the erratic heartbeat or something, the blood pressure, whatever. Right. But one of the main bad guys in Avatar The Last Airbender has the ability to lie like so confidently that they can't understand when she's doing that. So that can also come into play where it's not it's like a lie detector test. I don't think it's like a foolproof yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing where I would right. think like Kirigan could probably beat that stuff like because he's just like a badass. Yeah. So so I want to keep that in mind that it's probably possible that it's not like a be all end all. Sure, sure. I like that couple things come out of these conversations that they're having in this episode but one between Mal and Alina which is I think is their last conversation before Mal gets whomped for being a deserter mm-hmm. from the first brother uh, the, the mm-hmm. like first prince whatever um, but Mal is like I gotta go hunt the firebird like whatever's happening here like th- the firebird is what we need like someone's gotta go after it I'm gonna go do that where Alina is like, well, I'll just use Merzos and I'll create shadows or like light monsters and to combat the shadow monsters. And I'm like, I don't know if that's going to work, girl. I feel like that's. Yeah. Again, I keep saying horcruxing, but like he he's suffering by be from creating the shadow. Mo- like he has a splitting headache. He's got migraines now that he never had before. Coughing up blood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, th- I mean, she doesn't know that, but that's bad. Like. And Don't that's another do that, well, she girl. does know that now because that's a big part of David and her conversation. The second conversation when mm-hmm. he's showing her the book, he says, like, there's unintended costs that are not in this book. And that's kind of him explaining, like, Kierigan's suffering for what he's done. And it's not a good idea for you to do that. And right. they kind of explained it by she's saying, you know, I want to learn the slice that Kierigan yeah. does. Um, and they kind of went on to say, you know, that he uses that like 
to instill fear through people like don't rule through fear so i i guess you know if you want to look at it from a star wars perspective you know the slice is kind of like the dark side like you don't want right like, the, the force choke and like yeah yeah it's not exactly you know good for you like the the force lightning and stuff like that um to what extent i don't know but mm-hmm. uh you know if she's trying to make her own you know if you're making a light monster it doesn't sound like that should negatively affect you because of light but <laughs> i'm sure Merzost, yeah. it's like the same thing there's there's like a give and take fucking full metal alchemist style um, yeah baby so my one last thing about alina and i thought of this when she was in the map room and she was using the magnifying glass to like look at the maps i was like wait what if she, instead of an amplifier, she just uses a giant ass magnifying glass for her fucking light powers? And then she's, you know, just like someone <laughs> yeah. she's like burning ants through on an ant hill. Like, you know. <laughs> That's sweet. Was, so now I'm just waiting for that to happen. Nikolai's gonna make her this enormous magnifying glass. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love it. Why not? And then she's just gonna laser down the, the fold. There was a piece of information that David brought up that I thought was important that they confirmed it explicitly was that. Like, I think we knew Kiergan had no more amplifier in him, which we, because we saw that piece of it, but he also said that there's like residue in him and that could right, be the right. source of their connection to who, who knows how the myth- mystical, mythical beasts, whatever they're called work, but just something I wanted to bring up because that could come back into play. And then we already talked about all the, the legendary Shuhan sword that I think they say Nikolai is going to commission the crows again or something. Is yeah, that, is that that's that's up? our way to bring the crows back in. Yeah, and that's he says he doesn't say perfection. it explicitly, 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 but he says, you know, we have the, our friends can take care of that. I forget where they're at. Yeah, Ketterdam. Ketter- our friends from Ketterdam yeah. can take care of it. So another thing I want to talk about, which happens in the Nikolai Lena conversation, is that. Nikolai is a bastard. He's totally fine with it. He's like, you know, all that royal inbreeding, it probably is in favor anyway. So whatever. But that's interesting. I, I don't I like really liked that piece. I don't know why. I was just like, good. I'm glad he's not related to these like chuckle fucks. You know what I yeah, mean? He's got a little John Snow in him, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I mean, now he is the f- first in line because the shadows yeah, killed the brother his brother. Gets ripped so. up. And yeah. we didn't really talk about this, but the brother does come to Alina and say, like, hey, me and you, we should get together. And she's disgusted by it. But that was obviously his plan in the background. He's saying, I'm the first prince. I'm the big dog here. What's Nikolai going to do for you? What's Nikolai going to do for your plans? And, you know, she hates it. But <laughs> I thought that was going to be a bigger part of the story going forward. And then he just gets ripped, ripped to shreds. Final thoughts on the Alina, Mal, Grisha, Nikolai storyline. Uh, it's kind of cool that Nikolai is now walking away from the first half of the season as the next prince in line. I'm sure that'll come into play in so- at some level because like, it's going to be so obvious that Alina's storyline is now going to be centered around finding Mal, who's looking, who's locked up in prison. And then also, hopefully, it comes... It's just all going to converge with the hiring of the Crows for the Legendary Sword. Like, there's, I feel like there's so many moving parts here. It's going to be nice when we all get to, back together, but I think there's going to be some separation right now, and we're going to be kind of season one style, where Mal is just doing his own thing, and I'm not yeah. sure it's going to be my favorite. Yeah. But we'll see. My couple things to end this storyline. Number one is I'm wondering if Nikolai is going to change a little bit now because he's actually the first prince. He's actually the heir to the throne. He, there could be a situation where he says to Alina, like, listen, I have a lot more duties now. I have w- way more of a connection than I thought to the actual 
land to to Ravka to, you know, I have more of, um, I guess, yeah, I guess duties is the right word, but meaning like I can't be as much of a rogue as I've been lately. And I know that he was as the second prince, you know, proposing the engagement and the marriage and helping everybody out. But I'm wondering if he's going to have to not necessarily take the other side or anything, but just like kind of pull back on how forceful he was in the support of Alina and everything she's trying to do just because it's so against what everybody in his land wants right now. I don't know if that'll be like pressure from the king or anything like that. That's something that I don't want to happen. I'm just saying that that's a fear of mine for his character in the next four episodes. Also, when it comes to Mal, Kathleen, you know, like you said, you're waiting for them to get separated. Well, now they're separated. So we'll see how that storyline goes. I like that we're going to be getting the crows back into the situation of kind of blending the storylines. Like we said, Pekka, Pekka's gone from the story right now. And they are going to have more of something to do with Alina's storyline. Well, let's rip the Kierigan stuff, anything that we didn't bring oh, up. Okay. And then, then we could just be done with that part of the world. But we did talk a lot about their connection. So I don't know how much we need to bring up there. It's more just about Genya. Like, because she didn't, we haven't talked about her. Genya, right? Genya. Genya. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can talk about Kierigan and Genya. Like, I'm so glad that specifically Bagra was like, you used her her whole life and abused her for a king and now you expect her to be loyal like what the fuck which is yeah. great i was a genius stan in season one and she's good she's a homie but she's obviously captured we first see her in the uh the cells and i'm glad they got her out but this is like a terrible fate but now she's escaped again but still like the first four episodes like genia is down bad i thought she was dead like when Me the too. shadow monster yeah. got her, I was like, oh, she's dead. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. the girl. <laughs> I think they established in season one how rare Taylors are. So I'm pretty sure the Darkling know- knew how important she is. And also, like he said, he wanted to make uh, an example out of her. But yeah, I mean, she got torn up. The Genia Bagra team up is going to be so dope. I love when Bagra's yeah. like, suffering is cheap as clay and twice as common. What matters is what you make of it. I'm like, Bagra with the one-liners, baby. Good stuff. I didn't think they were bringing her back, but she's back, and I, I love it. I mean, when we always love a good Harry Potter actor making yeah. a big screen, right? But it's it's going to be interesting how they come back into play, because Genia can't use her powers for like fighting, so I don't really honestly know what her role is going to be she could have been a really really good death in my opinion but i'm always yeah. on the side of add the tension levels for these kind of shows but again that's just nitpick i'm sure she's still around in the books at this point so they're going to use her for something and, and bagger is going to be pure good and if she meets up with alina again i'm sure she'll, she's going to be doing some info dumps which will be great yeah. for us as audience members I loved the bagger reveal when Kirigan goes to find the book and then they kept yeah. saying the other thing, the other thing, the other thing. I just really didn't know what it was going to be. And when they showed bagger and she's like just mad at him and being yeah. a bitch, I'm like, and rightfully so, I love her. It's so good. Such a good reveal. Like he's such a mommy's boy. He has mommy issues, man. That is that yeah. is one thing I know for certain. He thinks he learned everything from her he blames everything on her and maybe yeah there was was some misguided stuff in the beginning but that was all to protect grisha he took it to a thousand like x you know he's 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 bad boy he's Mm -hmm. bad these conversations with mama darkling were straight up cementing in you know it's like the writer's cementing like he is just straight bad like if you didn't know this already he's straight bad like 
I know the redemption. I know there's the fandom that's Dark Lena and they love like Darkling and Alina and, and <laughs> Ben Barnes is hot as hell, you know. But as far as where we are at this point, everything that they're doing, especially in season two, with the conversations with Bagra, him cutting his own mom's finger off, all that kind of stuff, it's just cementing he is the antagonist of this show. Yeah. If you didn't sure. already know that by now. Definitely. Jenya is definitely hashtag ruined according to that Ravka soldier. I was like, dude, that is so rude. You just come up yeah, what look I mean, at her and yell ruined right at her face. Like she's not going mm-hmm. through enough. Yeah, but I did like how she tried to heal the darkling with the scars and it did fix it a little bit, but that was taken as the defense mechanism triggered. Mm-hmm. And the shadow monsters came out and attacked her. So it's part of who he is now. It's not going to get fixed. Those badass scars are staying. And for whatever reason, the shadow monsters are taking it as an attack on him if you're trying to fix those scars. Yeah. And Bagra has a line like, you know, don't waste your energy trying to tailor it. Like, like I don't think you're going to be able to fix it. But I don't know if I was like reading too much into it. Like, it's it's just a scar that you're never going to be able to get or because you have the scar it's almost like the curse mark from naruto like you're affected by the darkness and now the darkness will always be like a part of you just a little bit because like she can't completely get rid of you know the mark on her face that could just be completely conjecture um but to go off of that she is you know going full you know hulk mania mode on as soon as she gets out of the cage justifiably mm-hmm. so because you know she basically was a, a captured and held prisoner for a long time but uh i didn't know because we never jenny was always so soft-spoken so gentle and now she's like breaking shit left and right i'm like okay are we gonna see like a little bit darker side of her going forward because of what kerrigan did i'm sure there's something a taylor can do that's gonna be badass to be weaponized that we'll find out but we haven't seen it yet got your nose that's yeah, right. <laughs> Just rip your nose off. All right, Catterdam. Catterdam. Let's this do place it. is awesome. It's just the most appealing to look at. I I love that we're already back here. Didn't really anticipate it so easily with us. I'm thinking that they're going to be together with Alina the whole beginning, but we get right back into it. We're already kind of quickly reminded about Pekka and how connected it is to Kaz and his backstory. And we're actually getting flashbacks of Kaz all throughout these four episodes. And Kathleen, you texted us, but. Jimmy and Luke, when they were on the rooftops uh, around Ketterdam, were you getting Mistborn vibes at all? Because I, I was like, it. dude, totally. if, it, if their star was any mist or ash falling, I'd be like, this is exactly what I was picturing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The cars yeah, but... are just the best. That's yeah. just the, the only way you can say it. I mean, falling in love with Inez every time I see her, she's just <laughs> a badass. Um, but yeah, I mean, every single version, every single person in the crows is interesting, super, super interesting. And, you know, we can have the conversation at some point, but I feel like every crow, except maybe Wyland, is that how you say it? Wyland or yeah, mm-hmm. except maybe Wyland are more interesting than everybody else on any part yeah. of the show, except I guess if you want to say the darkling and Alina, but otherwise the crows for the W they're yeah. just the best. We- yeah. We got that confirmation right off the bat in episode one of season two that Jesper, like we theorized, is a Durast. You know, he was able to fix the cane. You know, like Kaz says, he never misses. 
So that was really cool that, you know, he plays it low key. He doesn't want to show it off. I don't know if that's because he wants to look less powerful than he actually is or with, you know, how I I guess the term is racist. Everybody is against, you know, Grisha and how, you know, the the normal people, quote unquote, you know, want to, you know, kill them and and get rid of them if he's keeping it on the low peak key because of that. But, you know, it's just just really interesting and cool confirmation that we got. And, you know, of course, Kaz is going to notice. He's like, oh, you, you knew. And he's like, fucking, of course I knew. Yeah, yeah. Kaz's like Sherlock ability is just so on display as it was a little bit in season one, but they leaned more into it into this season. And I'm going to gush about the littler things every once in a while when we're we're talking about the crows, because there's so many little moments that are just the, the best part about this show. And like one of them is in this first episode when every time Inez just kind of disappears, like and surprises Jesper like all the time. She yeah. And then there's there's one part where like they're all planning and it's and Kaz is just talking to Jesper and maybe even Wyland at the time. And like he like turns and says a question and then Nez isn't even there yet, but he just knows she's like about to show up. Just those little moments how Kaz is just yeah. the glue and he's so smart and he's just so observant and he just keeps reminding you that you don't need to be a Grisha to kick some fucking ass in this world, especially later on in the season, because holy hell, that came out of nowhere. Uh, yep, but yeah, yep. I just I'm going to be gushing constantly because Inej, Jesper and Kaz do so many good things and the writing around them is just chef's kiss. Just <laughs> so cool. The fact that they kind of added Nina to the crew right away, just they're growing and everybody is able to do like their own part. Like they're all so strong. It's so fun to watch. Yeah. I so, mean, just yeah. to rip through the the first piece of it. So Pekka now owns the Crow Club and the Menagerie um, because Tanta Helene was murdered. Now that means that Inez's like contract, you know, they, they, they thought they got her out of the contract, but they didn't because now he owns that contract, which is bad for our girl Inej, right? Meanwhile, which we'll get to, I think we should just rip them all later. Kaz is having visions of his childhood. I think at one point, once we get to the Pekka showdown, we can just rip all yep. the way down. But I mean, this is where we meet Sturmund, a.k.a. Nikolai. We don't have to get into it, but we know that they were he was the original one to hire them. Um, and then they're just being chased around because of the murder of Tanta Helene. And then later, um, one of the other cops he killed as well, just to frame them for it, which fucking sucks. So our, guy, our, our guys and girls are just running around town because they have nowhere to hide and be safe. Um, that was and- uh, another sweet Kaz deduction when they're in the room getting interrogated and the guy with the mustache is asking the questions. And Kaz is like, dude, I'm not going to talk to you. I want to talk to this guy because this guy yeah. dresses <laughs> too well to be a bodyguard. And he's the real one calling the show. So um... let's skip ahead to actual like Nina making her appearance here, because this is something that is just it's so overpowered being a heart heart render because she just takes out like a whole crew of people when Inej is like cornered. And we talked about this all the time last podcast, I remember, and I'm still going to stick by it, that it's definitely the hardest part about this entire universe to write is heart renders because of how overpowered they are, like to an insane degree, like Nina taking out like a whole army of like hired mercenaries in three seconds, kind of just, I don't know, that part always gets rough. So the writers to be always really careful with how they treat that, because then you get into the points where we're always like, well, why don't they just, why don't the heart runners just stop that person's heart like right away? Because they could do that in almost any scene. So that's always going to be a nitpick of mine. But Nina, I mean, if you're, if we're going to accept that that's a thing, um, it's awesome that Nina does it in this way and just saves Inej. And then kind of the whole conversation about Hellgate prison and Maddie 
I think we were calling him Maddie last season, whatever. Uh, <laughs> that all that whole conversation happens here. So it's basically just a chess piece placer like this episode, right? Like we're putting all the pieces on the board. We meet Wyland, the demolition expert. Nina's now officially in. And then it, it, it just it fucking cultivate cultivates. I'm just going to use the culminates. word climate. Culminates. Cul- culminates. culminates. Yes. <laughs> it culminates in one of the most badass parts when Kaz is just staring at the lounge and he just fucking explodes it and basically declares war on Pekka. Yeah. It's just such a good first episode for the crows, just like every single episode is for them. But this one was great. Hmm. It's his Cersei moment. And he he when he walks away and he says the barrel doesn't belong to kings, it belongs to bastards. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. There's the one yeah. line or the app. One of my favorite parts of the show is them talking through a heist. You, the yeah. music gets good. Everyone starts mm-hmm. getting put, like my blood starts, like my adrenaline starts going I'm like another heist. They they pull a few off in these like just any not even a heist. Anytime they're talking through a plan, I'm like, yes, let's go. Because mm-hmm. it's so oh, intricate. Yeah. It's so intricate. Um, But. If you want to rip through the flashback stuff now, we kind of can because okay. um, we start with the flashback stuff with you find out that the whole thing is about the older brother, right? The brother was into like get rich quick schemes and goes to Pekka Rollins. They're orphaned boys. This is about the time of the plague um, that happened in in this town. So um, and it's I, I assume they're on an island, right? Because Kaz literally says like there's nothing that like yeah. freaks people out more than a plague on an island town or whatever. But yeah, we can just dig into all this stuff. And it, it seems like even uh, Pekka's daughter was like a little con artist. She was fake. Too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she wasn't a I, daughter. No, it wasn't his real daughter. Remember, because he says, "Oh, the girl you hired me. with the." with the pigtails or whatever, the red ribbons in her hair. Oh, yeah. did he say hired? I must have something hired or used or something. Oh. It's not his real daughter because yeah. Now I just want to clarify, and I know this is what you were going for Kathleen, but for Kaz and his brother, it was that his brother was totally conned where the brother yeah, wasn't into like get rich quick schemes as being a part of it. He was like, taking like the land of opportunity kind of thing, just being like, we have some money and we want to, we want to do something with our lives and Pecker totally scammed them. Yeah. And, um, you know, you go through the, all the flashbacks and you finally figure the entire thing out. And then it culminates in the amazing scene with Pecker and freaking Kaz. And he finally gives the speech and, you know, we can get to that in a little bit, but the fact that it's, him and his brother, his brother's the one who gets scammed, puts him on the streets. The plague, the pox comes, the brother dies because they're living on the streets and they just have no way of protecting themselves. Kaz gets it because you see it on his face in one of the flashbacks, but he doesn't die. And we still don't really know. Is it supposed to be symbolism that he was like one of the kids laying on the bodies that they threw into the whatever it was? Like an, I don't you know. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I thought... Dude, I'm telling you, when I saw these flashbacks, I thought it was like Pecker straight up was like had some vendetta against Kaz and his brother. And he like threw him in like with the dead bodies just to like scare the shit out of a little kid or, to you know, like like to scar him for life or something. But I do think it was just, I guess, symbolism for, you know, basically his brother's the dead body. And he is, too. Like he does say two guys died that day. One was reborn and became the man, the myth, the, the legend, Kaz. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, I just thought it was amazing. And my question for you guys, 
and I know we're jumping ahead here, is is the pox the reason why he doesn't like to be touched, or did we still not get that answer? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Because we know, yeah, I don't like, know. Because we see the scene where they're caught and they're in the constable's wagon going to jail. And that's when Patty, Patty, <laughs> his name's Patty on uh, Patty Gibson on Instagram. So um, <laughs> Nikolai stops the stops the wagon, gets the time with them. But Kaz is having a freak out. And even Jesper is surprised at the freak out. And it's because the guys are too close to him. They're touching his legs. Every time his leg gets touched, he gets like a flash. So I'm wondering if it's the pox because that's how it was getting spread. Or if we're just not there yet and we don't really know why. I mean, we know that it was tough for him to touch Inej to help her with her wound and all that. I mean, we know from season one, he wears the gloves and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the gloves, we, we, we got into all of that. Like, it's almost like a germaphobe thing that works with the pox. Yeah. But I'm just not sure if it's going to be more of a reveal at a later date why he just doesn't like to be touched. It might just I, be simple as that. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because he doesn't like to be touched or touch anybody, but he doesn't mind punching anybody in the face. Well, he's got the gloves on, man. He's, I know. He's, it's awesome. He's got a, he's, he, he has some cushion, though. The gloves, he's got to take those things off for the band. We were me and Emily were watching this um, and I was like, oh, my God, like I had no idea he was able to. I knew he could like handle his own, but I didn't know he could throw down like this. I mean, it, it was no all of his I think Sherlock so, Holmes like you know i can see where everything is like he throws the chair he knows where everybody is before it even starts and goes down but i was like okay i didn't realize you could you know take a couple punches and still standing and then the fact he has a one line where he goes he stabs a dude in the leg or breaks his leg and goes i suggest a cane i was like oh yeah yeah fucking goosebumps that was a moment (laughs) that was a badass scene and here's another question for you guys he talks to inej and when we're talking about the taxidermist which we'll get into in a second because they have a few throwdowns. But he's talking about the taxidermist. He says, everyone has a weakness. You got to find his tells. And Inez says, what's my tell? And he says, you put your weight on one leg when you get up out the pounce, which is freaking awesome because, again, Sherlock Holmes, Kaz, in this badass fight, you know, when he's saying his tell, he he kind of alludes like, my tell is like, it's the limp and the cane. Is that kind of saying like he's actually not as hurt as you think and you think he's weaker and then he's a badass and kicks your ass? Is he putting on a show more Mm. so? He could be hurt, but I mean, because he does limp, but it could be fake. Like, because I know it's not really a good way of saying tell, but he does say it's the cane and the limp. And then he just starts whooping everybody's ass. So I'm wondering if it is more fake. I I was he doesn't say that it was the cane and the limp. He said cane and the limp. It's that people assume that it is but yes. he's saying it's not that like he's implying that there is a weakness that he has but it's not that right and and that's I what i'm getting... saying so my so my question is is that him saying that the limp and the cane are not actually a thing and he's faking it or is it just like he's still a badass even with them the i think he, okay. yeah it is a weakness but it's not his real weakness right, right. which okay. was in i was taking it as a nesh you know he wants to distance himself because he even goes on to say with with pekka rollins jumping forward your your biggest flaw was you know caring about somebody and i think yep. that's why he, he's he's pushing a nesh away because he does love her and care about her but he knows kind of like spider-man you know if i if i care about you not only will you be in danger but you'll be like my weakness as well right um, and i think that's what he was Jesper. insinuating here saying you know that's not my real weakness my real weakness is you know you right here 
Yeah. And Jasper was probably like, damn, bro, cut me deep. You don't love me. You don't care about me <laughs> when he says, like, I don't love anybody. But yeah, I think you I think you nailed it. Yep. So I'll I'll skip us through a bunch of the stuff in yeah, episode two it. real quick, and then we can just talk about whatever, because this is a nice isolated heist episode as well. And well, now Nina's like into the fold, right? They need to get leverage on Pekka. So they talk about his accountant. They're right outside, like looking at the building that they need to do this whole heist for. And this is a really cool moment because they're doing the whole heist. And then Nina comes up and is like, I got all the information we need. Like, we're good. Just like drops mm-hmm. like the, the the info on the table, whatever. So that whole thing happens. And like the heist itself, there's probably some things that we all want to bring up because they all separate and do their own jobs. And each one of them shines in a really, really cool way. And mm-hmm. I'll just be the one to get to say it because I'm talking right now. But the Jasper <laughs> shooting scene, holy fuck, man. He's, yeah. He always reminds you how cool he is. And now with the knowledge that we know he's a Grisha, it's even better because he's just not looking like spinning. And then even Wyland ends up saving him too, which is cool. Just like a bunch of really awesome moments here. Actually, Inej is the one that takes the most L's in this heist because this is against yep. the, the guy, right? The madman. The taxidermist, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I but... honestly thought he was a real animal for one second. I was like, since when are there cat men in this world? <laughs> and then I realized he was just <laughs> wearing, wearing a hat. Yeah, he's a hat. He, <laughs> a he's mask. wearing the face of a of a fox or something that he killed. It was a fox and... hat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to go back to Jesper, you know, in the middle of the fight, Wyland's, you know, he's grabbed from behind. He can't do anything. He's incapacitated. And, uh, you know, Jesper's getting his ass kicked. But, you know, at one point he looks up, gives him a thumbs up real quick and his quick smile as he gets fucking jumped from behind. Like he is just he's never it seems like he's never worried. He's just so Mm -hmm. I got this. Um, And just I feel like I would want to be around him more than, oh, I don't know. Inej could probably save my ass. Too. They're all bad. Jasper's definitely the funnest to be around, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, you're going to go out gambling. You're going to be freaking causing some some freaking scuffles. You're going to be living the dream with Jasper. He's going to be like, making <laughs> you laugh. And then he's you're going to be probably wearing a sweet-ass top hat when you're with him. I mean, come on. It's interesting, too, all the Crow stuff in these first four episodes because it's the first time we're seeing any sort of, you know, turmoil within the Crows. I think both Inej and Jasper are like, what is up with Kaz? He's not filling him in on why he needs this much revenge on Pekka, but he's really putting them in a lot of danger and stuff. And you're seeing them kind of be like question his, you know, what he's doing when they blew up the Crow Club. Jasper was like, yo, man, like I had some good hats in there or something like that. Yeah, right. I forget what he says, but. Luke. That was going to be my one complaint is I knew that was just going to be resolved sooner rather than later. And it was just like, we have to get through this moment of them doubting Kaz and then it's going to all work out. It did lead to the really, really cool moment between Inej and Kaz later where he finally tells her and she's like, okay, let's kill him. Like, that's it. She's like, that's all you had to fucking say. And so I guess it was worth it for that moment. But I was a little like, ugh, why is Jesper questioning Kaz? Why is Inej questioning Kaz? Like, just fucking trust him. (laughs) <laughs> see that's where you're like the loyal to your homie thing because i i do think that jesper and and inez totally were justified in being like yo man come on like you just blew up the club you didn't mm-hmm. tell us shit you literally are putting our lives in danger you're not telling us anything we're supposed to be homies like you know wyland's obviously new nina's new but him jesper and inez shouldn't have too many secrets between each other and i understand mm-hmm. like if you want to have a secret you can have a secret but the fact that he's just straight up vendettaing against Pekka 
and not giving them one reason at all. Like, no, they probably didn't even know he had a brother. You know, all that. They still don't really know why he doesn't like to be touched, I'm assuming. Pile on the fact that Pekka killed the brother. I thought it was it was a great reveal. Like, on one side, you have the talk between him and Inej. And like you said, Luke, she's like, well, then let's just kill the bastard. And then you also have the reveals with Jesper there, hearing it in his face, Kit Young's face in the background when he's hearing the reveal, like he's just as shocked as hearing it by as everyone else. He's like, Holy shit. You know? And I love that Mm -hmm. reveal too. But again, you would think that if they're all really, really close, they should have some inkling, like at least give them a little bit. The amount that he gave in about like he killed my brother should have probably been given to her a long time ago. You don't have to give the full story, but yeah. So I don't know. I'd love to hear you guys opinion. And I don't know if it's completely, you know, his story is completely done or not because we still have the, the rest of the season to go. But what were your guys' thoughts on Pekka Rollins as a villain? Because, you know, I thought he was actually really good. Like, it, he oh, wasn't, yeah. he, he was more intimidating than he was, like, actually going around, like, hurting people. But at times when he needed to, like, you know, he was throwing fisticuffs. You know, he showed how smart he was with the different traps and having the, 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 taxidermy for Inej. I thought he was really interesting and really well-written bad guy. And, you know, having the one weakness, of course, he would keep that as a secret. I I just, I thought he was interesting. And in a weird way, I'm kind of bummed that he's already dealt with. For someone that has no powers, they wrote him well, and he came off really well as somebody who could be a big dog. I, I really did enjoy him as like the big dog to be scared of. We know Kaz doesn't have powers too. He came off like he should be. You should be scared of him. He's a force to be reckoned with. But I did like that pretty much in every aspect, Kaz had the one up on him. We we can get really quick back to the accounting scene where we thought he got Kaz, but then Nina was the, you know, the, that wild card to pull out of his pocket. And she was a badass until she got shot. And that's another question about heart renters. Like instead of running away, why can't you just took them all out real quick and then ran away. But I thought everything about the back and forth with Kaz and Pecker was amazing. And then leading up to the fact that it go comes down to like, you don't know why I freaking hate you. I hate you so much, you know, because in season one, he says like, you're looking at me like you want to kill me. And then he brings it up again in this final scene between the two of them where he's like, oh, so that's why you have the hate in your eyes. And Kaz being like, what's my brother's name? And he was like, dude, I I don't know, man. Like, I, I have no idea. That was like so amazing to me yeah. because to Pekka, that was nothing, like nothing at all. And Kaz, that defined his entire character, his entire trajectory that we've seen him is this. And Pekka's like, dude, I, I have no freaking clue. I just well said. I awesome. fuck it. no, yeah. not that was yeah. that was. I got a little bit of chills right now. I'm not gonna lie. That was, <laughs> no, that was sweet. Um, he is great, and I don't think he's done because he's no, going I don't think to he is either. He's going to the jail where obviously Nina's whole motivation <laughs> is surrounded. Yeah, Nina's the whole thing is about saving Maddie, so she's gonna go there. Like I think he can play a part. Play a part there, basically, is what I'm saying. I don't yeah. think he's completely yeah. done. I loved while we're on it, just Kaz being able to break down Pekka to make him got on his knees and begged oh, yeah. in front of his entire crew in front of all of his men without doing anything besides like 
empty threats was just unbelievable. I thought it was so smart, yeah. so incredible. That's the definition of like finding his weakness and just breaking mm -hmm. him with it. Let's um, quickly talk about yeah. the weapon, which is, and the weakness, which is Albie. Firstly, Inej, a fight with the madman, he, she gets him good, found his weakness. He gets got Damn. anything you want to add to the fight besides that it was cool shit. Just okay. really she knows the arteries, man. She knows the spots yes. to slice. I think she did kill him with the knife that Alina gave her. Yeah. Too. Yep. The Sanctalina or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then she says sorry. And that's that's another thing where Alina is kind of confusing. They lean into it majorly in season one where she doesn't want to kill. Or I said Alina. I'm sorry. And that's a little confusing because she doesn't want to kill. But it's very hard to not want to kill when you're literally throwing knives at people. But this season, it didn't seem like she was really leaning into that storyline part or they weren't leaning that into that storyline too hugely until we get the scene with the taxidermist where she does say, like, I control my own fate and then stabs him in the heart, which is freaking badass. But I do. I'm in my own head canon. It's just, hey, season two started. And yeah, I guess she's going to do her best not to kill people, but she's still going to kill people if she needs to. It's just it is what it is. I think it's purposeful. Yeah. yeah. She killed the yeah, guy last yeah. season, so now it's like, all right, well, I killed one guy. Well, yeah, just yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's but, just rip it now. Anyway, so it was Jesper and Wyland's job to go check out Pekka's quote-unquote glass factory because why would they have glass over there? There's no sand or something like that. This is when we get the reveal that they have had sex before, obviously, when he woke up, Wyland wasn't there in the morning. But there is some cute little banter. Obviously, Jesper outings are the funner outings like Luke and everyone else had said. But basically, they go in there and they find this little kid, Albie, who's so fucking cute and they pretend they're there to fix a piano which i didn't e how did they even know there was something broken the piano was a because question i had because messing with it the keys messed up got yeah. it okay so so funny when he was like yeah i did that with his accent or whatever <laughs> i was like this is fucking hilarious and he's so cute they better not harm him which yeah he shreds that piano solo both of them yeah. mm -hmm. albie so and wyland so Jesper, at the end of it, you know, Jesper gives up the information to Kaz. And I think you're supposed to believe like, oh, shit, maybe Kaz did bury Albie alive. But I never thought that. Did you guys think that? No. Okay, no. good. Good. That's um, the problem. And I'm going to just say this right now. The problem with heist things and Rick and Morty like did this, like every heist movie show, like even if you want to say Kaleidoscope, which came out recently, like it's always so predictable and one of the two most predictable things about this entire heist, this final heist, was Kaz didn't bury the kid. Like, that was kind of obvious. Yeah. Otherwise, Jesper and Inej's whole thing would have been justified, but they were kind of misleading you on purpose with the red herring there. Kaz didn't bury the kid, didn't believe for even a split second that Nina was not, like, doing <laughs> this on purpose. Like, come on, that is just textbook heist. Oh, I have a way to get what I want. I can yeah. just betray the guy, yeah. and it's all part of the plan. Like, all of that was just super predictable but with that being said still very well done i think that the nina thing was less predictable but i agree with you luke it, yeah like it was pretty predictable the the kid one i fully was like he's not buried at all and mm -hmm. that pretty much you can guess before they even reveal that that's what the note's supposed to be for the driver when as you're supposed to give the note you know because it's going to show that the kid's alive and i mean for a second i'm not gonna lie i was like all right, they are hinting that, you know, Nina and Maddie have a thing, that Nina needs to save Maddie. I knew in my head it was so funny. I was like, this isn't real. Like, she's definitely on Kaz's side. But I was like, if this is real and she does give up Kaz, Luke's going to freaking 
hate her and she's not coming back. <laughs> Yeah. Because oh, I, yeah. I there is a scenario in my head where she like gives them up and then she kind of like somehow fixes it later where, you know, it's another way of getting in, but it's messing up the plan. Like the plan's yeah. not going to go the way Cass thought. She's still going to turn on him, but then she's going to turn back to him and get what she wants with Maddie, but also help Kaz out. And then a lot of people would be like, yay, we both got what we wanted. And I knew Luke would be like, nope. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'll yep. tell you one thing. Kaz, he does not forgive even if the plan goes like even if the end result is the same, Kaz does not like a change in the plan. And we see this oh, because yeah. Inej frees the, the women instead of doing how, what she was supposed to do she? in the middle. And oh, Kaz yeah. was rude to her at the end. I was mad was. at him for being mean to Inej. Pushing her mm-hmm. away because he likes her. Yeah. Dude, their kiss is going to be so great. It really is. Is it yeah. happening it really this is. season? Yes. I think it'll happen by the finale. I hope so. I don't know how long you want to put it, make us wait because even season one, we were like, let's go do this thing. Let's go. So if you do it for another season and don't give it to us till three, that's pretty long. (laughs) I also really loved in the beginning of the heist or right when they were breaking for the heist, when they say no mourners, no funerals. And Wyland's like, why don't you just say good luck? And and Edge's like, good to keep our expectations low. (laughs) Yeah. They're dramatic too. (laughs) I love it. Uh, the fight happened here. We mentioned it briefly. Anything else we want to bring up besides like, I don't know if you guys ever saw Kingsman, but that was mm-hmm. straight up Kingsman, even with down to the cane, throwing the freaking chair and like having the door like lot, like all of that was so good. And I, I, it was it did a lot for Kaz's character because that's a whole nother layer that we thought was just off the board talking about yeah. right, talking right, through right. it all in season one. He can fight like that's just now yeah. confirmed. Yeah. That was basically like him like Meg coming back from prison and saying, who's the toughest guy in here? And then being yeah, yeah. like, he goes in literally beats the shit out of everybody. And then is like, all right, you know, when Pekka comes and turns on you guys, eventually, who do you want leading you? You know, this fucking guy who can't do anything just stands there or me who can actually throw down and, you know, can fight for you. So he just big balled everybody in the room and said, Hey, I'm the captain now. So mm-hmm. that was so cool. Mm-hmm. It was cool. Yeah. I'll expect it for sure. Do we need to dig more into the Kaz and Pekka thing? I mean, it was one of the best scenes of the four episodes, hands down. The acting from Kaz, so incredible. I was hanging off his every word and his face was just so intense. And he was obviously like actually got beat up by Pekka. Mm -hmm, Like Pekka mm -hmm. was beating him. His face is screwed up. But all in all, I mean, he gets him again on his knees, signing the papers to admit to murder free and edge like he crushed this and got everything he needed out of it i mean i don't like that him and Inej are ending on these bad terms but this was the, one of the most badass scenes of the series to me i thought it was yep. incredible that could have been like season ending stuff oh yeah that whatever like he was they needed to do by the end of of the se- season like that would have been the thing that let them do it you know what i mean so the fact that that was in the middle of the season is like what the hell are they going to get into moving forward? I would go as far as to say it was my favorite acting scene of the entire show so far. Yeah. Kaz I I was agree. just, yeah. oh my God, he was so compelling. And just everything I look forward to in the character, just everything was highlighted in this episode. And now he's like the guy in the barrel or Ketterdam, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. And I think he's just going to continue to grow because the one thing that I brought up earlier when he when the the crow storyline starts he is already the soprano level character and he is already filthy rich which he's not yet he is stepping into the clout 
space of being the guy, but now he needs to get, gain a little bit more resources. And I think we're basically caught up to where the story actually starts for them. And I'm sure all the canon stuff is going to be badass if this is all the legwork just to get the crows to where we need to start. Like, I can't even imagine what their story turns into. Where Milo at? Where's yeah, right? where's our boy at? <laughs> That's my only thing. Milo? Because, like, exactly <laughs> like you guys said, it seems like the episode, end of episode four was almost like a perfect end point. It seems like everything, for the most part, for the Crows is kind of resolved for right now. Um, that is, you know, if Kaz is, you know, the big bad in Ketterdam now, like, he runs shit through him. I don't know if he, like, there's going to be a power vacuum and he's going to have to earn his way up, but it seems like he's already there. So, um, yeah, it explains where he's going to get all this uh, moolah from. A mm-hmm. couple things left. Um, Wylan and Jesper have their moment. So mm-hmm. um, that was like, I'm sure we were all down for that. That was seemed oh, like yeah. it was kind of signed, sealed, delivered Hot. from the first scene. Uh, so that's Fox cool. I, I do baby. like yeah. <laughs> Like we need more crows. So as long as I hope Nina sticks around and basically this is just the best squad ever. And um, yeah, the other things that I'm kind of hinting at that we still have to talk about is a little bit more is the Hellgate stuff. And Maddie, like, what do we think about here? Because he's a badass fighter. That was cool to see. I just don't see how this storyline plays into our like Alina stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, well, what yeah. the fuck is happening? <laughs> I low key love it. I know the consensus, especially at the end of last season, Luke. You were like, dude, they could have put the uh, Nina Matthias in like a 15 minute storyline and been done with it because it didn't seem like it connected to anything else. Um, mm-hmm. I totally agree. But I said at the end of season one, and I'm hoping that it's going to continue, that I hope this is like Matthias's origin <laughs> story about how he becomes like, you know, almost a villain or like the uh, anti-Grisha. Yeah, more so. Yeah, he was he, a Grisha hunter. back of Nina. Exactly. Yeah. Back in the day, he was a Grisha hunter. And now he's like, all right, well, you ruined my life. I trusted you. I was told not to trust you because you guys are witches. And I did anyway. And then I mean, look at me now. So and the way he was in the jail or I'm sorry, in the fight, like the way he was giving into the anger and beating the shit and then looking at the crowd and the crowd was cheering. I was like, is he is he enjoying this? Like, is he mm-hmm, like yeah. being in the center? I couldn't tell. So um, I don't know if he's going to become like an animal, a beast, because I like the way they said, you know, we're we're picking the giant to go fight. We're not picking beardy who's been around for for years beardy yeah yeah i think the cut and dry thing is gonna be if they want to go cut and dry hey kaz owns the place now pecker's gone he owns hellgate get matt matthias out so that so that nina has her guy now Mm -hmm. i think it would be an amazing twist like you said paul if he doesn't forgive her and it becomes like a thing where he leaves her and then he whatever and they actually don't have the 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 connection with each other and the forgiveness and you know it it continues on as you know them 1v1 whatever Nina versus Matthias Crows versus Matthias I don't really know I have no idea how this has anything to do with the storyline <laughs> I want that now because that seems like the most interesting path forward and I know you, that was your theory back in season 1 Paul but it's honestly looking more likely than than before I mean I if he's a- the first four episodes if he's a badass fighter like we've seen, like, yeah, it would be cool if he's just like, hey, I'm a crow now, and now we have another cool fighter, but I don't see how that is as compelling as, hey, now, like, I'm I'm one of your villains to the crows. Yeah. Because, again, yeah. 
we know that technically the crows, even though they're going to be brought back into the storyline by getting the sword or at least trying to heist the sword, they don't really have as much to do with Alina. So he could be the natural actual villain for them in the book storyline, which could become a part true. of the show storyline. Yeah. That's so that, that would be cool. Yeah. Also, little note, I have it in my notes as Boobgate because in my mind, when they show the the Hellgate, it just looks like two boobs sticking out of the water. hundred <laughs> percent what it is. Boobgate. They kind of did. Yeah. We're pretty much at the end here. Before we give final thoughts, and I have like a question that I want us to all put on the board answer for our next podcast. The only other thing I wanted to bring up that kind of didn't have a chance to say is was just when Jesper was doing that really, really cool fighting scene. He that was him curving the bullet, right? At I the was end. gonna say, is he wanted? Yeah, dude, I want that yeah. uh, that to be true so badly because that's the coolest ability ever. Yeah, especially and it seemed him. like he definitely had to have. But the one was like, uh, well, I guess yeah. the one was curving the bullet to make the guy's arm push towards the other guy to, while he was getting ready to shoot. Exactly, yeah, to kill the other guy, which is so freaking cool. sweet, so yeah. fucking cool. I feel like we're all going to be on the same page here, which is unfortunate, but I thought it would just be worth asking the question is, does anybody think, because next time we talk, we'll be done season two, think that Kierigan won't make it out of the season or the fold? Or was that both like down, like we're talking season three, four, five for that stuff? Like, is it is there going to be one of these two obstacles taken out of our path by the end of the season? Maybe I've... the fold will without Kier, like Kierigan will still be alive, but the fold goes down, which I think is an interesting thing um mm -hmm. i think my guess whether it's this season or not the fold goes down before kirigan goes down i think the fold first then yeah Kierigan. okay i'm pretty confident i feel really confident to say that i i just think kirigan has to be towards the end game of the show whenever that is i hope the fold doesn't go down yet and i know we didn't bring this up at all and i i remember saying this in season one coverage but the fold is just so intriguing it's so cool and I know we didn't get too much of it in the first four episodes. We get the big scene where she's trying to break the fold. But we talked about this in season one when I was reading online that the fold is supposed to literally be like full on blackness, full on silence. You, it's hard to portray that in a show, but it's just so intriguing. Like, I feel like I want something where like Kerrigan hid something in the fold and they have to go find mm -hmm. it or something like that, where it's just. I feel Not an extra layer or something. Yeah, like add something to the fold where, you know, it, it's, it, it is cool how somehow Kierigan made his shadow monsters, but the Volkers still are against him, and it's just, they're, they're just monsters. They don't really, they don't really listen to anybody, but I just think there would be so cool, There it would be so cool if there was some kind of layer to the show where they have to actually go through the fold looking for something Kierigan hid or how it was created from the origin point or something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was actually just about to say that um, if I had one prediction, because Kathleen, I love what you were saying. You know, at the end of season two, you want to have something accomplished. And I think bringing down the fold would be a really good setup, you know, for I don't know what would maybe the final season, but, you know, gearing up to face Kierigan face to face at the end. And to go off that, you know, they go into the fold once it's cleared and they seed like the lands there and and in season one, we did see where it started. You know, Kerrigan was in that building where he got the information for the spells to create the fold. You know, the Merzost explanation more, I guess. I think I don't, I don't want to be quoted on that. 
but you know it'd be great if they finally do get rid of the fold alina and crew go in and then learn something more in those buildings about that ancient magic and a way to you know counter kerrigan or or face him yeah it, it seems like a good setup for season three i mean if the fold goes down alina gets all kinds of like backup right everyone is going to be yeah. obsessed with her she's going to get all kinds of power from being the one who take down the fold so that just opens up a whole nother thing but it evens the playing field so that's what i'm hoping for. i would guess that zero chance that either go down this season love it boarded yeah so firebird Board. you think firebird's going to be like the end of the season or do you think i think so firebird and the sword could be the end of this season for alina's storyline and then for kaz's stuff well, they're going to be linked directly with that, which is how they come back with Alina, because they're going to be the ones sent to get the sword, and maybe yeah. we're going to see it actually get used probably by Mal. That's my guess. No, oh, that makes That'd sense because they got to rescue Mal, and that's going to take you know an episode or two, and then it could mm-hmm. be the Firebird. So you know it, it lines up. Yeah, there's a lot of room for like fun storylines, like, and that's great oh, that yeah. we don't even have a consensus of where we're going here. Like, it's just good writing, right? It felt like the midway point. We yeah. concluded the Ketterdam stuff. We're ready to actually start the part three of the myth- mythical beast journey. And then like Kiergan and Alina's connections just ramping up. It just feels like we're ready for this last sprint. And when we talk next, like so much could be changed here. And mm-hmm. we're, I think after the next time we talk, we'll have a really good idea of how long Netflix is going to make this show. And like by the end of season two, I think we'll know if this is going to be a three season show or like a six season show. Yeah, right. All All right. right. Well, that was our coverage of season two, episodes one through four. That was a blast. Um, Again, we covered season one in four episodes, two at a time. Um, That was a blast. We did that, obviously, two years ago. So if you need a refresher, go check that out. Also, what Binge Town's up to right now, uh, we just concluded our Yellow Jacket season one coverage. We went back and did that. A Rooks and Vets. It was so fun. Uh, Yellow Jackets, by the time this drops, Yellow Jackets will be days away from season two dropping episode one. We'll be covering that episode by episode. Um, So that if you're not caught up on Yellow Jackets, please, please, please catch up. Take our supplemental content. Listen mm-hmm. up. Tweet at us. We love, we freaking love Yellow Jackets. We love all of these. So if you ever listen to one of our pods and you have something to say, please tweet at us. We love it. We'll answer you back. We'll talk to you in DMs. We'll do whatever. So let us know. You can even email us at binchtowntv um, at gmail.com. Also, we just finished our Last of Us coverage, of course. Who's not watching that? So go back if you're missing Joel and Ellie like we are. Go back, listen to our Last of Us coverage. Um, We're also covering The Mandalorian right now. And anything else I missed, guys? Carnival Rose coming. Carnival Rose, I forgot. Oh, yeah, I just recorded that like two hours ago. Succession. Mm -hmm. We are covering that in, uh, again, going to be dropping in a few days uh, we did it. We just recorded a recap of one through three, just like fun moments, cringiest moments, favorite characters, things like that. We had a blast covering it. And if you watch us on YouTube, we have been dressed up for the occasion in business casual. So, oh. uh, so yeah, go check us out. We have a lot of good stuff. Um, any sort of sci-fi thing, I'm sure we've covered it or something like it. So go look at our um, back catalog. Easiest way to look is on bitchoutv.com. We've got a website you know, showing every single show we've done, which is a ton. We've got about perching 350 episodes. So you're going to like something. I know it. Um, Yeah. So that's all we got. We are Binge Town TV. And thanks for listening. Boom. No mourners. No, no funerals. funerals. 
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 